This is Lawyer to Lawyer with J. Craig Williams and Robert Ambrogi, two of the top web bloggers in the legal profession. And yes, they are attorneys, one from California and one from Massachusetts, squaring off on legal news and legal observations. Lawyer to Lawyer is sponsored by Law.com, right here on the Legal Talk Network. Welcome to the Legal Talk Network. We're glad you could listen today to Lawyer to Lawyer. I'm Craig Williams from usually sunny Southern California, but a little overcast today. And this is Bob Ambrogi, uh, who's suffering from culture shock as he's gone from 84 degrees in the Virgin Islands yesterday to 14 degrees in Massachusetts today. Uh, I am here because I write the blog Law Sites and also the blog Media Law and also Legal Blog Watch for Law.com. And I write a blog called May It Please the Court. I understand we're going to have some holiday music today, Bob. Oh, the sidewalks outside are slippery. Hot chocolate can burn your lippery. But the fence work is what I do. So let them sue, let them sue, let them sue. You're listening to a former Lawyer to Lawyer guest, attorney Lawrence Savell, with the holiday hit Let Them Sue from the Lawyer's Holiday Humor album. Today, keeping with the holiday spirit, Bob and I would like to welcome you to our Lawyer to Lawyer annual holiday show. I guess it's now we can say that since we've done it a couple of times. <laughs> done it twice. Eh? Yeah. Instead of singing carols and reciting, it was the night before Christmas, though. We're going to profile the work of those who help others not only during the holiday season, but also year-round. That's right. And let me just give a further plug to Larry Savelle and just mention that you can find all of his music at lawtunes.com. Uh, but today we're going to be celebrating the holidays by highlighting uh, a third year at law students' efforts to help um, provide legal help to wounded war veterans returning from Iraq and Afghanistan, and also by talking to an attorney who's worked on veterans' cases since the 1970s. So, Bob, let's get to welcoming our first guest, Nicholas Henry. He's the co-founder and administrative director from the John Marshall School Veterans Legal Support Center and Clinic in Chicago. Uh, Nick, who served twice in 2003 with the Marine Corps Reserve Unit out of Dayton, Ohio, joined with his friends and fellow law students, Army Reserve Lieutenant Ryan Coward and Mike Barnacle, to open a legal support center at John Marshall's Law School in Chicago. Two-time Operation Iraqi Freedom veteran Nicholas Henry felt a need to help fellow veterans faced with the daunting task of completing medical and disability claims once they returned home. And while attending John Marshall Law School, Nick is serving as the company commander of uh, MP Company C, United States Marine Corps in Dayton, Ohio, and is currently in his last semester of law school, halfway through uh, an LLM and also getting a JD. Welcome to the show, Nick. Good afternoon from the middle of the country at John Marshall. And our next guest today is attorney Gordon P. Erspalmer from the law firm of Morrison & Forster in its Walnut Creek, California office. Gordy, as he likes to be called, has concentrated his practice in the litigation of complex civil actions in both state and federal courts, and has worked on uh, he's worked on veterans' cases since the 1970s. Um, uh, Mofo is already involved in a federal circuit bar association pro bono program for vets uh, that started in July, and uh, Gordy has uh, long been involved with the Swords to Plowshares uh, veterans' rights organization based out of San Francisco. Welcome to the show, Attorney Gordy Erspalmer. Thank you. It's nice to be here. Well, let's start off with uh, both of you kind of giving us a little bit of background about your military experience and how you got involved with uh, veterans. Sure. Um, I'll jump in. This is Nick. Um, we, I, I was uh, in the Marine Corps Reserve uh, in undergrad, and I deployed twice um, 
in support of Operation Iraqi Freedom and Iraqi Freedom Two. I ended up uh, coming back and went to officer candidate school and am currently serving in the reserves as a company commander at MP Company Charlie in Dayton, Ohio. Okay, this is Gordy. Uh, I actually became involved back in the 70s uh, through my father, who was a, a commander uh, in the Navy, and then later the Coast Guard, uh, who participated in the atomic bomb tests at Bikini uh, as a metallurgist uh, uh, on the scientific vessel, the Bowditch. Uh, so my involvement with veterans stemmed from uh, dealing with the uh, so-called atomic veterans, who were uh, the veterans that participated in the atomic bomb tests through the 40s into the 50s and in, until the uh, 1963, when the nuclear test ban treaty was 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 uh, adopted. But throughout the last 25 to 30 years, I've also done represented individual veterans uh, and have done two major class action cases. Are you a member of the Veterans Court of Claims? I, I am uh, in, in, a member and uh, practice before the, the court. This actually called the Court of Veterans Appeals. Now, uh, it used to be it used to have a different name, um, uh, Court of Appeals for Veterans Claims. Uh, and actually, I may have got that uh, backwards. But the the uh, yes, I am, and I've done handled a number of cases there. And in fact, uh, my own mother's case was the first case ever argued uh, in before the Veterans Court back in 1990. Uh, and established uh, the broad jurisdiction in the court under the All Writs Act uh, to to take up cases involving veterans. And and uh, Gordy, you, I believe you're uh, involved in the case that your firm brought this summer. That's a, a class action against uh, um, against the U.S. government, the Department of Veterans Affairs, and other government uh, entities regarding. Uh, the, the care and, and, and treatment of returning veterans. Is that right? And can you tell yes, me more about that? this is actually a case that was just argued last Friday on a motion to dismiss, but it, it, it's a class action on behalf of all veterans, including Iraq and Afghanistan and even Vietnam veterans, who have pending claims based upon uh, post-traumatic stress syndrome uh, and or tra- traumatic brain injury, which are the two signature injuries uh, of the war, uh, we have uh, uh, enlisted two veterans organizations uh, as plaintiffs. One is the Veterans for Common Sense out of Washington, D.C., and the second is the Veterans United for Truth, uh, which is a local California organization. Uh, but it's a very important case for a number of reasons, uh, but the, I like to call it the Veterans Civil Rights Case. Uh, because a lot of people don't know this, but veterans have uh, been selected as a population for certain legal disabilities slash restrictions on their civil rights, uh, and the, the case does focus on, on some of those. So there are about a half a dozen of them I can explain if, if you're interested. Well, just before we go, move back to Nick, could you just explain what, what, what the hearing was last week and what, what the outcome was of that? Well, the government moved to dismiss our complaint, basically throw us out of court uh, on numerous grounds, standing, sovereign immunity, uh, jurisdiction, uh, the merits, et cetera. And the the judge held a two-hour oral argument on those issues last uh, Friday and took the motion under submission. We expect a decision by early next year. And that's in the Northern District of California? Yes. The case is pending before Judge Samuel Conti. Well, Nick, why don't you give us a little bit of background about uh, how you got involved with the John Marshall Veterans Legal Support Clinic and tell us how long the clinic has been around and how you got involved. Sure. 
About 18 months ago, uh, myself, Ryan Coward, um, and Mike Barnacle that you mentioned in the beginning, the three of us were part of the Military Law Society. And one of the student ABA division's um, initiatives last year, um, I guess it would be two summers ago now, wanted to start more clinical uh, programs at law schools to give more real-life, real-world experience to law students. Um, and we kind of combined the two ideas and ran with it to create a, a legal center um, at the John Marshall Law School that would be able to create uh, an education center for veterans on how to deal with um, you know, the VA process and the VA claims, as well as running a pro bono network of attorneys that could help later on down the line. Um, as Gordy had pointed out, the, the appeals process is, is absolutely vitally important, um, but with the returning veterans as well, we wanted to come in on the front end um, and be able to help returning veterans to file claims more completely. And we wanted to do this because the VA, it's, it, in, in what we found in Illinois, is it's, they're, they're overworked um, and they're, they're under, uh, you know, understaffed. And it's not through any malice or, or anything of that nature. It's just that there is a, a lot of claims to be filed um, and a lot of claims to be handled. And one of the issues that the veterans were finding is, is they've never worked through a veteran's claim before. They've never seen the right paperwork. They get handed a 2,000-page manual um, and, and told, you know, something that you deserve is in there, we'll be able to help you. Well, we figured with the, you know, tool skills that we're building in, uh, in law school, we would be able to use that attention to detail um, and using that work ethic to be able to get through some of these claims, find out how to do it correctly, and then be the source of uh, a sort of expertise for veterans to be able to come to to make sure that their claims are filed correctly the first time, to make sure that all the burdens of proof are met, and that way that those that go to the appeals process will really be the, the, uh, the cases that need further scrutiny, whereas most of these veterans who just, if they were able to do it correctly the first time, would be able to get the benefits that they, they are, are deserving of. What kind of injuries are you typically seeing? Um, we're, we're seeing a, a great deal of PTSD and, and traumatic brain injury, as, as was just mentioned earlier on. Um, and, and we're also seeing a lot of the shrapnel and loss of limb um, because of the enemy, you know, the weapon that the enemy employs with the, the roadside bombs and, and things of that nature. It's not an extended firefight um, quite like it used to be. It's, it's a lot of explosions, a lot of concussion injuries, um, and things of that nature that, that once may have um, cost a service member their lives now the tremendous advances in medical technology on the battlefield is, is um, bringing that veteran home and our transition back into real life or transition back in, into society hasn't quite caught up with the medical technology, and that's where we're trying to bridge the gap and, and many other organizations that, that are doing great work, just like um, Swords to Plowshares. We're trying to, to catch that up and, and be able to aid in that transition back into, into society. Well, here's here are you both of you are are legal volunteers, if you will, who are you know providing services to returning veterans, uh, and, and you're both talking about kind of a, a gap uh, in those services being provided through the government. I mean, does the does the government have an obligation to be doing more here? Should it be doing more here, or should should this be the province of private attorneys such as yourselves? Well, I, as Gordy, I, I, I would say the government is not fulfilling its mission to care for him who hath borne the battle and his widow and his orphan, which is the motto 
of the VA. In our case, it deals with a number of specific issues that are that are most relevant probably to Iraq and Afghanistan veterans, where the government is really not doing what it's supposed to be doing. One is medical care. Uh, the VA medical centers and the hospitals have found themselves totally overwhelmed by the huge influx of returning veterans. They don't have enough psychiatrists on staff. Uh, they don't have enough mental health care professionals. Uh, and as a result, veterans are being turned away uh, repeatedly all across this country. Uh, we have focused our case particularly on the problem of suicides amongst veterans, and there was a recent study done at the University of Georgia by Dr. Rathbun, which showed that there were uh, more suicides in one year, 2006, I believe it was, uh, amongst veterans than there were total deaths in the Iraq and Afghanistan wars combined. Uh, and federal statutes absolutely guarantee a veteran the right to health care, and they, and they uh, for two years uh, upon leaving service, regardless of whether they have war injuries or not. Uh, the other problem, the major problem, is, is delay. And our, and our case focuses on the due process implications of extended periods of delay, not only on the health side uh, and delay in getting appointments and delay in getting treatment, but delay on the adjudication side where veterans are facing delays of, uh, for a complete claim cycle uh, of 12 to 15 years, believe it or not, on average, to get a claim through the VA and through the appeal process. And that's just unconscionable in our, in our view and does not comport with due process. Uh, and that's why we call our case, in part, a uh, veteran civil rights case. We are very concerned about the rights of veterans and, and treating veterans as second-class citizens. And as a result of a lot of these problems, uh, the private sector has been, been have to pick, and the public sector, state government, have had to pick up the tab for a lot of these problems that the federal government should be paying for. And in many instances, family members or friends have been had to had to pick up the tab or help support veterans returning from Iraq and Afghanistan. And that's, that's just plain wrong, and I'm sure Nick agrees with me. Absolutely, Gordy. It's, it's, it's wrong in, in that it happens, but I, I would like to take that opportunity to point out that private um, sector has been phenomenal, at least in, in our experiences here in Chicago, in that we have um, the medical community, including psychiatrists, doctors, um, who have really banded together to create a, a sort of a, a medical network, so to speak, um, like our pro bono lawyer network that these veterans can turn to. And, you know, as, as Gordy was pointing out with the suicide rates and the, and the PTSD, that the, the faster you can get veterans help, the success rate just skyrockets. Um, and, and a lot of these injuries compound themselves over time. So getting them, getting them the assistance they need and, and getting them into the doctors they need early can save tremendous costs down the road. And the Rehab Institute of, of Chicago um, and, a, and a few others have really banded together to create a place where veterans can get help, and then the legal side of it is where we'll, we'll make sure that the, the reimbursement is there, make sure that the, the contracts are in place so that these veterans can go to these institutions. And I think that's where we want to work ourselves out of a job, so to speak. Um, you know, we're all volunteers, but it's a labor of love, but we would much rather not have the need for the Veterans Legal Support Center, John Marshall, to be around. And if we can, um, as Gordy was saying, that, that delay, that if we can fix that to create a system 
where we can provide some small service to help fill out the claims properly to make sure that they're complete, to make sure that all the doctor's uh, notes are there and, and everything is filled out completely, then we can, you know, we will be irrelevant because the VA won't be backlogged. The VA won't need extra staff. They won't need extra costs because those claims will be going in, in completely. And that's really where we're looking to, to service and, and I think where all these veteran service organizations are trying to come in. Yeah, I, I agree wholeheartedly with that. It was a very good explanation. The, the, the basic problem, however, is so immense, and the, the numbers are so large, that even with a lot of extra help from the private sector and, and, and public interest uh, groups and, and the doctors and all kinds of people all over the country, the need is still not being met. Uh, uh, when, when we filed our case uh, back in July, uh, in the next month, I can tell you that I got personally got over a thousand phone calls from veterans uh, who needed help and were not getting it, and that's just a tip of the iceberg. Uh, there, the, the the need is so great, and the preparation uh, so inadequate that even with efforts from Nick and many other people all over this country, uh, a lot of people are, are slipping through the cracks. And, and it's just, it's a great injustice, uh, in my view, uh, to, to, to treat our veterans this way. Uh, well, what, and, what can a court do about it? I mean, what can a court order, what are you asking the court specifically to do? Well, that was the first question that came from the judge at the oral argument, actually. Uh, we, 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 there are a lot of things we're asking them to do. But the first is to, to set standards for delay. Uh, in other words, well, actually adjudication, uh, to, to uh, say that the VA needs to deal with a claim, address it on the merits within certain time parameters, uh, both for in, at the regional office level, where you, where you don't get a lawyer typically, uh, because of a of fee prohibition uh, in federal statutes, uh, and on appeal. Uh, the second thing we're asking them is, 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 and this is a subject of a preliminary injunction motion we filed last Tuesday, is that if a veteran comes to a VA hospital uh, or a clinic and says he's suicidal, that they have to treat that veteran uh, immediately. It's an urgent situation. Many vet most people who threaten suicide actually carry through with an attempt, and they need to treat that very, very seriously and not do what they've done a number of times, which is say, hey, you can have an appointment in February 2008. Uh, and and, and there are, there's a third aspect of our case, which is uh, uh, not well known at all, which is abuses, internal abuses within the agency that are tied to the incentive compensation system they use at the VA which is basically they, they pay people extra for processing claims quickly, not necessarily correctly. And there are a number of shortcuts and abuses have cropped up over the years in the VA. Uh, a good example would be when you, on an appeal, uh, you can get a work credit for handling an appeal very, very quickly if you just simply pull out the veteran's uh, medical report of his medical examination, put it through the shredder, and then remand the case on the grounds that there was there's no medical exam in the file. Uh, and this uh, tactic uh, and variations uh, of it have been the subject of indictments uh, of several, or at least two, at least two so far, uh, lawyers who work for the VA who have been doing this to th on thousands of claims in order to reap work credits and, and get a bigger bonus. 
And this type of thing has just got to stop, and then we're going to ask the court to, to enjoin them from doing that uh, anymore. And they have to improve the internal controls within the agency to make sure it doesn't happen again. And it's probably all news to Nick because this, this is not a, a topic that is, has received much public scrutiny at all. Um, I happen to know about it because I, I have a represented an individual veteran where the, the VA did just that to him, a, a Vietnam veteran. Uh, but it was actually even worse. They, 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 did, they didn't, the adjudicator didn't destroy the document. He took the, do, the medical notes from the doctor and he added in, in, in his own handwriting, uh, but the veteran is capable of doing sedentary work that does not involve heavy bending, stooping, or lifting. This is a Vietnam vet who had a 100-pound sandbag dropped on him from a bunker. It was under attack, and, and the small of his back, and has had six uh, uh, surgeries on his on his back. So th th this type of thing just it just can't go on, and uh, we can't have an agency that is insulated from judicial review and public scrutiny, and, and that's a, that's a big part of our case. Well, Nick, how do people find out about you and Gordy and the other services and people that are in the private sector helping? Is there some type of a directory, or is it just happenstance that people come across you? That's one of the first things that we, we found um, in, in looking at what was currently out there and, and seeing if we could just aid some other organization that was out there. Is, is There really was no directory. Um, the VA, of, of course, has some list of, of helping agencies that are out there. But what, what we found is that the, the most important aspect and, and what the VLSC is really going to concentrate on is an education aspect through our center of getting out to all of the units that are deploying while they're deploying, when they're returning, making sure that, that they know we're out there. Because if you think about it, a, a lot of the, you know, these veterans are all very used to taking orders. And so when they come back and their, their claims are denied, their instant thought isn't to appeal. It's, it's not, it's, oh, they, they said no. And, you know, and they, they're, they're proud individuals, and sometimes asking for, for the assistance of, of an attorney is, is something that they're not always prone to do. And, and that's why we want to make sure that, that our education out and, and outreach component is, is out there. And that's why we've been greatly helped by, you know, the Illinois Supreme Court Commission on Professionalism, by LexisNexis giving us a lot of tools to get out there and, and make sure that things are done by Dean Corkery himself from the law school, just making it a priority of the law school to make sure that the education component is, is just as important as the advocacy component because if people know we're out there, if people share the information, if organizations work within themselves, which is what we've tried to do in, in bringing all of the veteran service organizations into the, into the law school and showing them here's what we're going to be doing, here's how we can be a force multiplier for you to handle your cases better, that we've really been able to establish a network in Illinois of when a veteran, whether they're in Carbondale or Chicago, comes into anywhere for help, we can refer them or that, that organization can refer them to the people to get the right answer. Because sometimes the runaround is, is more frustrating than the actual process itself. And now that everyone's sharing the information, we can send the veterans in the, in, the right, in the right direction to the answer. If we don't have it, we know who does.
Yeah, that that's absolutely excellent, and I and I, and I really commend you, Nick. It, it's I, hopefully that that process can be completed uh, or, or duplicated really around the country. And I I think you're exactly right. There is no place to really get great information about uh, what what you can do to get help. Uh, one one uh, organization I'm quite familiar with that's very similar. It sounds like to Nick's uh, clinic in Chicago is is in Washington D.C. It's called the National Veterans Legal Services Project, uh, and they actually have a, a veterans service manual that they put together, a big book. It's actually on a CD, CD-ROM. It has all the veterans regulations, all the statutes, everything you'd ever need to represent a veteran. And they, and they go around the country, and they do educational sessions with lawyers to try to train them uh, about how to handle uh, individual veteran cl uh, claims. And it, it's quite a complicated process, actually, and it's a specialty that very few lawyers know much about. Uh, the the Veterans Administration is is kind of, frankly, quite hostile toward uh, uh, lawyers, have been for many years. Uh, and I actually had the case that went to the U.S. Supreme Court, uh, NARS versus Walters, that uh, dealt with the constitutionality of the restrictions on fees. You know, a veteran can't pay a lawyer more than 10 well, it used to be. It couldn't pay a lawyer a maximum of $10 to represent them. That's now zero um, at the regional office level. You, know, you can only depend on the kindness of strangers, basically, uh, pro bono work. And our case also takes up that fee restriction for fee pro prohibition in the context of all these other limitations on, on, on veterans' rights that make it very difficult for veterans to get a, f a fair shake, so to speak. Uh, uh, amongst the other problems with the system is, is veterans can't subpoena any VA employee to testify, uh, and a real problem is the doctors on the medical side of the VA at the vet center and so on often diagnose the veteran with PTSD or traumatic brain injury. But when when the lawyer files a claim, there, there are different doctors on the on the adjudication side who come to an opposite conclusion, often after a very cursory examination, and the claim is denied, and the veteran. So how can this be? Your own doctors have said I have full-blown PTSD, and now you've denied my claim on the grounds I don't have PTSD. Well, Gordy, we've reached the point in our program where we're going to take a short break to listen to a commercial sponsor. Right after this, we'll be back with Nicholas Henry and attorney Gordon Erspommer. We invite you to visit Law.com for timely legal news and in-depth resources. From daily headlines to practice-specific updates, Law.com provides up-to-date information to those working in the legal profession. As part of its coverage, Law.com is proud that J. Craig Williams' blog, May It Please the Court, and Robert Ambrosi's blog, Law Sites, are part of its blog network. Don't wait any longer. Visit Law.com today and get free subscriptions of our Newswire newsletter with the top legal stories of the day. Or sign up for a free trial subscription to one of our Practice Center sections. If you found us in the podcast library of iTunes, thanks for listening. Check out some of our other shows at LegalTalkNetwork.com and become a member. It's free. Lawyer to Lawyer is produced by the Legal Talk Network and a staff of broadcast professionals. If you have an idea for a topic or a show, we want to hear from you. Go to LegalTalkNetwork.com and send us an email. If you have a comment or question, we want to hear from you. Leave us a message on the Legal Talk Network listener line at 781-634-8959. 
We really do listen to the messages and even answer your questions on our next show. Check out our Lawyer to Lawyer host blogs, J. Craig Williams' blog at mayhavepleasethecourt.com, likewise Robert Ambrogi's blog at LegalLine.com for daily legal observations, perspective, and, of course, a healthy dose of humor and wit. Did you know that Legal Talk Network shows are also available as CLE? Visit Law.com's CLE Center at www.clecenter.com. That's clecenter.com to enjoy listening and get CLE credit for your continuing legal education. A video settlement documentary can be the most powerful and persuasive way to bring about a speedy settlement in your client's case. The Boston Media Group has a staff of television professionals with 20 years' experience writing and producing compelling stories just like the ones you've seen on 60 Minutes or Dateline. We put a human face on the lawsuit with compelling interviews, dramatizations, and visual presentations of the fact. Think of it as a video opening argument that will compel the attorneys on the other side to settle. Call us for a consult at 800-317-5221. That's 800-317-5221. Or check out our website at bostonmediagroup.com. Welcome back to Lawyer to Lawyer on the Legal Talk Network. I'm Craig Williams. And this is Bob Ambrogi. We're talking to our two guests, Nick Henry, who's a 3L and co-founder of the John Marshall Law School Veterans Legal Support Center and Clinic, and also attorney Gordon P. Erspalmer from Morrison Forrester, who's talking about uh, his work on behalf of veterans. And Nick, I wanted to ask you: We've we're, we're the, the the theme of our show to some extent is 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 lawyers uh, helping uh, with pro bono services. And uh, what can lawyers do who are listening to this show who, who may be interested in getting involved in working with veterans uh, on a pro bono basis? Uh, where can they go? What can they do? And is there a need for them? Uh, there's absolutely a, a need for them, and, and I think the best thing that they can do is, is be aware of these issues, um, talking about them in the bar associations, um, and, and, and gathering together to look for, for uh, uh, opportunities like we found it at John Marshall, where the law students went to the lawyers, and, and, and I just wanted to say after the, the end of that short segment um, prior that, you know, to thank Gordy for uh, attorneys like himself who have, have blazed a trail where a law student and, and a few law students could get together with the backing of, of their dean and be able to create a center that, that could effectuate that type of change without the work that, that Gordy's done in, in the past and, and other attorneys like him, we would never be able to do that. But the, the way to help really is through time and, and through money, and, and I know that's kind of cliche, but that, that's really where attorneys can help because of the specialized skill set, pointing attorneys in, in the right direction um, in their states. We've already... We've really designed our, um, our center to be able to be quickly replicated and exported um, to other bar associations, to other law schools. We've had interest from Iowa, from Missouri, from Florida already, and we've really tried to take the, the, the painstaking time to create something that could be easily exportable. So when attorneys hear about a law school starting a clinic, being able to get involved, being able to provide that time and that guidance to the law students, and, and also to learn from the law students. Um, Gordy mentioned the NBLSP. Ron Abrams came out and, and was able to, to train a, a number of our law students and a number of our pro bono attorneys to be trainers, to go out and train other attorneys 
to um, be able to be aware of these issues, to be able to address them, to, to have the forms on, on how to address them. And if, if there are lawyer, you know, attorneys out there in, in Illinois and they want to donate that, that, that money to, to help keep the, the lights on and the, and the doors open at the VLSC, they can, they can call Mary Adana um, at the John Marshall Law School at 312-360-2663 to make a donation, or they can email directly to uh, the Veterans Legal Support Center at support, all one word, support, VLSC, at jmls.edu, or if they have questions and want to donate their time, um, they can email me directly at blsc at jmls, John Marshall Law School, dot edu. So that's vlsc at jmls.edu. And, and keep an, uh, an ear open and an eye open um, because we'll be uh, hopefully exporting this soon to, uh, to a state near any attorney listening and, and everybody can get involved. That's really been the, the thing that's, that's touched our hearts here at the VLSC is, is attorneys are, are willing to give their time and their money and their, and their heart to uh, an issue like this. And, and it's, it's really motivated myself and, and, and my colleagues who have chosen the legal field as a, as a career to, to see the type of support that's out there. And, and attorneys, not attorneys alike, can, can donate. A lot of people wonder how they can make a difference. Giving money to support something like this is, is generally something that can, can touch a whole lot of lives very quickly. You as well. Um, being able to get the word out there is, is, as we talked about, one of the most important things. So thank you to you as well for letting me have this, uh, this time. You're welcome. And Gordy, as we're wrapping up and Nick is now giving his contact information, let's get your contact information and final thoughts so our listeners can uh, get a hold of you and help you with your program as well. Yeah. Well, we 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 have a, obviously a, a very large lawsuit, uh, so we we are uh, doing that with the good graces of, of my firm, Morrison and Forster. Uh, but I also work very extensively with a, an, an outfit in San Francisco that has been doing great work for veterans for many many years. It's called Swords to Plowshares Veterans Rights Organization. Uh, they have a, 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 a clinic uh, in San Francisco. They're actually in the process of putting together a, an advocacy clinic based upon a grant they got from a foundation. Uh, they're on, they're on uh, uh, Howard Street, 1060 Howard Street in San Francisco. And if anybody wants to get in touch with them or don't donate money to them, you can contact me at uh, G. Urs Palmer. That's E-R-S-P-A-M-E-R uh, with a G before it at mofo.com, and please get in touch. Uh, uh, There is an enormous amount of work to be done, uh, and I I hesitate to to draw the the quote from the past, but uh, one of our former presidents talked about a thousand points of light uh, as a metaphor, and there are enough veterans out there who need help and if we set up a thousand clinics just like Nick's, it probably wouldn't be enough. Um, and I just, I, I think lawyers need to get out into the public, speak about these issues. They need to write about these issues. Uh, they need to write about the fact that our veterans are treated as second-class citizens in terms of civil rights. Uh, and they need to, if they can, take on some of these issues uh, on veteran civil rights uh, and try to make uh, restore the. The, the, the rights of veterans so that they are hopefully at least as, as uh, great as other citizens of our country and, 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 and ideally uh, ha- have even more. Gordy, I, I, I see that uh, your 
I think Morfo has put up a, a separate website also for this lawsuit. Uh, it it vet, veterans veteransptsdclassaction dot org. Is that right? It's a www dot veterans with an s ptsd class action all one word dot org. Again, that's www dot veteransptsdclassaction dot org. And there's actually an intake form for any individual veteran who wants to let us know about his or her circumstances uh, that you can fill out that's available on that website as well. And we'll be adding to it and making it more robust uh, uh, as time goes on. Well, thank you very much to both of you. Uh, we really appreciate your, your thoughts, and we really appreciate your work in this area. And uh, we'd like to wish you both the best in your future pursuits uh, and your future uh, work on, this, on these causes. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you, gentlemen. We appreciate it. Thanks very much. Well, Bob, we've reached that part of our program where it's uh, looking at the winter holiday, Christmas, and a whole slew of other uh, holidays staring us down. So uh, Kate's asked me to ask you what your uh, favorite holiday memory is. (laughs) I think we should get Kate on here to tell us her favorite holiday memory. Um, You know, it's... I don't have a good answer for that because I have so many favorite holiday memories. I mean, I, I, I have two kids, and uh, every single holiday season is is just a joy. Uh, you know, you wake up and watch kids run down, look at the Christmas tree, and all that. Uh, it's 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 just all good. I I can't single one out, so I'm gonna wimp out on that answer and throw it back at you, Craig. Well, I, I gave it some thought, and I, I too, have three kids and uh, have some very fond memories of them uh, celebrating uh, Christmas and the holidays. Uh, but I was listening to this show and thinking back to my father, who was a chaplain in the Army during the Vietnam era, uh, never deployed overseas, but always uh, worked locally. And I remember one particular Christmas uh, where he was out uh, on Christmas um holding a, a church service for troops that were uh, on bivouac in uh, New York. And I remember going to see him uh, there out in the snow uh, in a green army tent with uh, just filled with uh, soldiers also all away from their families during the holidays and uh, holding a church service and just thought that, you know, really that's in large part what uh, what Christmas was to him and uh, for that day was to me. Well, that's a very nice memory and uh, a good way to wrap up this show and an appropriate one to our theme. I would like to just take a moment uh, to thank all of our listeners and wish them the best for the holiday season. And uh, also, of course, to thank our producers and friends at the Legal Talk Network for all they do throughout the year to make this podcast a possibility and of course to you Craig best of the holiday seasons to you thank you and we would be remiss to not also pass along which you already did I think some holiday greetings to all of our listeners uh, all across the world and uh, to the team that makes legal the legal talk network a possibility and lawyer to lawyer uh, Kate Mike and Scott and Luann thanks so much and thanks to you Bob happy happy holiday you ask to go on trips. Thanks again for listening to Lawyer to Lawyer with J. Craig Williams and Robert Ambrogi. 
We hope you'll listen again and check out our other shows on the Legal Talk Network. Lawyer to Lawyer has been sponsored by Law.com. Oh, bill those hours, bill those hours, 10 or 12 a day. Oh, what fun it is to work and give landlords all your pay. Oh, bill those hours, bill those hours. The Lunch Hour Legal Marketing Podcast, your resource for the tips and tactical advice you need to grow your business. Plus, keep up with the news and commentary you crave to stay one step ahead. It's hosted by me, Guy Sakalakis. And me, Conrad Song. Every other week, we break down the issues holding back your marketing strategy and talk about the changes you need to be prepared for. Check out the Lunch Hour Legal Marketing Podcast wherever you get your podcasts or on YouTube.